Blog Talk Radio. Child Abuse Now show. This is scan number 3100, 3100. We're really getting up there with all of the shows that we have, and we're very proud of that. And we're also so thankful that people are calling in to tell their stories. So tonight we have a very special guest. Her name is Fatma Ibrahim. She's from Egypt, and she is calling in from Egypt. But before we get to her, I have to read uh, the NASCA mission statement, and we have a, a couple people online here on the panel. That's very good, and um, we'll go from there. Let me read this. Oh, someone's trying to get through it to me. No, no, no. I don't know. I can't handle it right now. All right, tonight's special guest is Fatma Ibrahim from Egypt. She's a child abuse survivor and an author. Now, that's her name. And let me read the mission statement. We have a singleness of purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so from two different ways. Number one is educating the public, especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic, which it is, Worldwide problem that affects everyone, okay? And number two is offering hope for healing through numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone, okay, that's interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Now, I've done many shows on prevention, intervention, and recovery because it's so, so, so important. And it's so important to teach people um, the ways that you can see the red flags of, of children who are being abused. And believe me, more children, all the stats have gone up, more children are, are being abused, and this is the month also for human trafficking prevention awareness. And uh, we thought it was bad before, but with the border issues, which I won't get into, but you can use your imagination, it's gotten far worse, Okay. So it's important for we as a society to even know, you know, what to look for when it comes for children who are being trafficked out, all right? And um, I've done shows on that, and I might do another one, because January is the month for human trafficking, prevention month. 
Okay, so getting back to um, our, our wonderful guest, and she's calling in from Egypt, and, and I'm so happy that she was able to get through. Um, she is here, and what I'm going to do is ask her to start telling her story. And uh, Fatma, what, what we do here on the show, we do have a couple people, and um, Bill is here also. Um, a lot of times it works in the in the background, so I don't know. I'm going to open up his mic, though, and he may want to say hello to you and then go back to work. <laughs> Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah um, I'd like to thank uh, Fatima for, you know, the effort to, to come um, on a show like this all the way from Egypt. Um, I'm not sure if it was Fatima or Fatima. I call it Fatima. <laughs> I, I may be wrong. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. Okay. Well, we yes. really appreciate your... Um, Coming this far, you, you didn't leave because you, it's on the phone, but you still, you stayed up late, didn't you? <laughs> I, I had to wake up early, let me put it this way, it's 3 a.m. my time. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm, deli- I'm delighted to have you, uh, you know, Carol is too, and other people were excited when they saw somebody from Egypt. So you just relax, um, tell your story. Um, you know, and it matters of the things that you went through. You kind of thought it wouldn't, it wasn't as big a deal as for some other people. But I'm telling you, we don't measure how bad one person's child abuse and symptoms of child abuse trauma are next to somebody else's. But it's all trauma, and it's all horrible. So um, on that basis, I'm going to let you talk to Carol most of the night because I have – as she said, I have work to do in the background, but I will be listening, and if need be, I'll jump in there, of course. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much, Fatima. Okay. Okay. Okay, that sounds good. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for that. And, uh, I, I, you know, towards the end, maybe I'll call on you and see if you might have a question or, or want to make a comment. Okay. A- absolutely. So, what, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you'll be listening and you'll know what to ask. So anyway, um, why don't you, this is wonderful from Egypt, oh, my God. And now, look, I do a lot of research. I have to tell people this. And I already looked up Egypt, and um, I went into um, the abuses of children and and so forth. And, um, you know, at first when you look at Egypt, they make it sound so wonderful, you know. Oh, people are very friendly. They're very open. um, They'll invite you into their house, and you'll have dinner with them. And to have seconds is a biggie for them, you know what I'm saying? And then uh, I get into the nitty-gritty, all right? So what I had done was, in case you weren't able to get through with Skype, I looked up your country so that I could expand upon what I already have in in front of me from your bio and actually uh, speak about Egypt. But you are here, and I'm just so happy you're here. And... um, let me just say, it's not a bit of roses over there because I found quite a bit of information. And uh, so I'm happy you're here. So go ahead and, and, and tell us, start telling us your story if you don't mind, okay? Go ahead. Sure. Uh, good morning, my time, and good evening, your time first. And thank you so much. It's also a delight for me to be here and share. And uh, yes, as Bill said, I'm afraid that I don't have much to share because most of my memories are blocked. So my story is a bit, I know it is not unusual. It's like many people who don't remember what happened because when it becomes too traumatic, you just, your brain shuts the story down so that you can function in life. But 
if I were to start as a child without remembering, because I had blocked the memories early on to be able to move on with life, I have had issues of fitting in, of feeling comfortable around people. There was always this feeling of something was absolutely wrong with me. I mean, I felt wrong to exist. And I had to uh, maneuver my way around the world in a way. Maybe maneuver isn't the right term, but I didn't know what to do. So I would, like, every couple of years, decide on a new strategy uh, to deal with life. Later on, I would term that as a defense mechanism or as a coping mechanism, but I didn't understand what I was doing, but I needed to live, survive, and I wanted to thrive. I mean, it's a human need for all of us to, to thrive as much as possible. Even if I were, wasn't thriving, but at least I was doing what felt was the only option for me. And for me, the only option was never to fail and to always be successful. And that was sort of like my driving way. So I, I, I spent two years being very aggressive. That was one of the defenses that were hard to bear for me and for other people around me. And then I spent other years being a people pleaser, then being workaholic, then going through many phases. But then a couple of years ago, I started recovering, recovering a little bit of memories. And they're mostly sensations. It's not like I can see the person. I do not know exactly who's done what. And it has been multiple instances somewhere, quote, unquote, benign, like no violence involved, somewhere a bit violent. My body remembers everything. This is what I've been working with through different modalities like hypnosis, somatic experiencing, just being open with myself in meditations or wherever. But that was my turning point because I've been working a lot on myself and there was this, what I would call an invisible wall. Like I would do so much improvement, but then I find so much resentment as well inside me, and I wouldn't understand where it, this resentment is coming from. And with the tiny bits of memories that I have recovered, things started making sense. And this is where I was able to address and start turning my life around in the sense of starting to live. Because up until quite recently, I don't understand what it means to live. I understand what it means to survive, which is... Uh, a black and white difference. And I would assume for many survivors, isn't clear as much as the, the start is this, the, the difference starts between black and white. But I think for survivors, that, uh, that doesn't even exist, unfortunately. Well, you know what? Let, let, me, let, me, let me say something here to you. You, without yeah. even realizing, have given me, plus I have your bio in front of me, you have no idea, okay, how much you belong here. Okay, and I'll tell you why. Okay. First of all, when you speak, maybe you can slow down a little bit because you're, from where you live to where we are here, there's like a little bit of space time or something. It's, it's just like we need for you just to slow down a little bit with your speaking. But let sure. me say something here. It says, Fatima tells us that she remembers very little of her actual child abuse, having recovered little tidbits in late of 2018. But it also says here... As a child, I always felt out of place, not wanted, ugly. That was something inherently wrong with me. Now, I just want you to know, the children who have been abused, um, it's a well-known fact that they feel they have those terrible feelings of being out of place and certainly that they're not wanted. And many times they do feel ugly because many times they feel dirty along with it. Maybe your conscious mind doesn't quite remember things that happened. Maybe it started at a very early age, 
my sexual abuse started at six, but maybe yours was even before, okay? And or, or if it was sexual or physical or mental or emotional or neglect, it's all trauma and it's all abuse. And many of the symptoms that we have as those who are abused are just what I'm talking about and what you're saying here. I always felt out of place, not wanted, and I felt ugly. And you felt different. I'm sure you felt different. And you felt like there was something inherently wrong with you. I would spend most of my time reading and forming my own inner world. Now, that's almost a way of dissociation, okay? You had nothing to, you know, to live with in this world. You had nothing you could, like, hang from or hold on to. So you made up your own world. Many people who dissociate, as we call it in psychiatry, many people who dissociate, um, they find a world all of their own because they have nothing in this world. Maybe you were a child who was terribly neglected. Maybe you were a child who was never spoken to. Or if you did have something to say, someone would say, don't bother, you have nothing to say. You're just a stupid kid. Go play or go outside, whatever, all right? So what that does to us is it, it starts to build inside of us this feeling of unworthiness, Okay, we have such low, terrible self-esteem because, after all, what we have to say doesn't matter. We've been told that. And that's why you felt ugly and there was sometimes inherently something wrong with you. And I would spend most of my time reading and forming my own inner world. So, you see, you're saying a whole lot without quite realizing and coming in touch with actually, um, you know, what you experienced and how it affected you. It says here, I experimented in in changing my state of being in different ways from extreme shyness. So you would try different things. You'd go from being shy, that's like inward, all right, becoming inward, to aggression, to being outward, okay, or aggressive in your behavior, to a social butterfly, you'd flit around and say, well, I know this person, I know that one. Well, they're real, or they make-believe, okay? She started developing lots of chronic illnesses. We are notorious for that. Some of the illnesses that we have are real, okay? A lot of us have to deal with real illnesses. And by the way, kids who are abused, whether it be physically, mentally, uh, emotionally, or sexually, or neglected, they're prone to becoming ill more than other children, okay? This is just what happens. I think it's because our mind, which has many sections to it, um, what happens is it, it works on, we're always thinking, we're overthinking uh, or we're underthinking or we're inward, we're all overreactive, we're, we're all kinds of things. We suffer from hypervigilance. There's just so many things that those of us who have been abused and our mind then just gets tired. Okay, we can get tired. I suffer from being too tired at times. Okay? I'll go take naps in the middle of the afternoon and not know why. Sometimes three or four hours. But my mind is like, okay? And damn it, it wears me out. Okay? Because <laughs> I'm thinking too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So many people, I do turn to reading a lot, which is actually good and healthy for the mind, 
I don't even care what the subject matter is because you're focusing, you're learning then to focus on, on, on whatever it is that you're reading. And then your mind doesn't seem to, you know, run ahead of you so much. That's a good way of training your mind actually to slow down so you can focus better. So that's a good thing. Um, so with the chronic illnesses, why don't you uh, discuss a little bit of that? Was it stomach trouble? Um, what was it? Chronic illnesses. Yeah, sure. That you thought you had. Was, Go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. It started uh, with the sore throat, which speaks a lot about also the silence. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a sore throat for maybe, I don't know, almost non-stop for maybe 10, 15 years until it started to settle maybe when I started doing a bit more of theater and express, even if I wasn't expressing what is forgotten, but at least there was uh, some sort of expression. It wasn't as severe as it was, but it was very, it was quite debilitating. I could stay out from school for maybe weeks or months, depending on how severe it was. So there was this uh, continuous sore throat. And uh, then, of course, my gut, which is still an issue to this date. And I've been reading recently about uh, the relationship between the brain and the gut and the trauma and how the, with the disassociation, because I'm actually, I mean, I'm much better now in relation to disassociation, but I didn't realize I, I was in disassociation except in 2017. I didn't even know I was doing that to just live. So and how it cuts the, 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 uh, back to the gut. Yeah, I have like loads of gut issues. Much better than before, but still. But since I was 11, I had IBS, for example, because I was chronically stressed, extreme hypervigilant, as you were mentioning earlier, uh, and allergies. So all sorts of weird allergies would like happen with the tiny, I would think of it as the tiny bits of stress, but when already our cup is super full, anything that adds to it, it overflows. So... I will also, allergies have uh, been visiting me quite frequently. So these were the three main themes. And other things would happen uh, on top of them. Uh, and mostly, I was very much accident prone. So there was also that. I would like uh, twist my foot almost weekly, uh, have accidents in my fingers, arms, things that would always keep me out of the movement. So there was this thing where I would, my body would mirror that frozen state in relation to physical injuries that were almost continuous. Now, thankfully, with lots of inner work, it's not as bad, actually much better. And as bad as you wouldn't really describe the movement. Uh, mm-hmm. But it has been quite debilitating uh, with all these happening almost frequently, not almost on daily basis in a way, I mean, either sore throat, either gut issues, either an injury, either this, either that, or the chronic fatigue, as you were also mentioning earlier. Well, you see, that's, that's what you're saying is very common with us, okay? Um, we go from one thing to another. You were a long time on what you just mentioned, you know, but then something else will pop up, and then something else will There was a couple of times my mother took me to the doctor. It wasn't very often, trust me. But... Um, He would examine me, or she would examine me, and uh, put down, like, not that I was a hypochondriac exactly, but they couldn't quite decide what it was while I was having pain here or I was having pain there or that type of thing. Because, um, you see, so often, you know, it's our body screaming out, saying, hey, I've been hurt 
Maybe someone had punched us in the stomach and we blocked it out really bad. You know, my brother would have been one that would have done that. You know, but, you know, like the point is we would block it out. Maybe we were little, maybe we were four years old at the time or three years old and quite couldn't remember it. And maybe the person did do damage, okay? And and, uh, and yet it couldn't be decided. It was like a pain that was there and it's our body saying, hey, I'm hurt. I think our body hurts all over many times. That's why we have certain maladies that can form. You know, um, because we have been so horribly abused physically or mentally or both or or sexually. Um, If it's a physical thing, many times uh, we have the bruising. You can see that. Like, you know when a kid's being beaten up because they're told to dress a certain way. Or if they're a little bit older, they know to dress a certain way so that people can't see the bruises, right? They'll hide them. Things like that. And that we know this for a fact. So you see, we many times um, our body is actually trying to tell, hey, hey, brain, wake up, okay? This is what happened, and um, this is why I'm hurting. Like, take notice, okay? So that people can understand, and I can understand better what happened to me. This is when you start having the awakening of the repressed, they call it, repressed enemies, or enemies, they are enemies. Um, you know, the thought represses back, and, and this is what happens. I see that Lori has her hand up here. She wants to ask you something or say something. Lori, go ahead. Yeah, you're, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, I welcome you uh, here. I think this is the perfect place for you. Definitely is. Thank you. Um, and... Um, when Carol was saying about the speed at which you're speaking, you, I was a court reporter, so I, I was able to time it. You were speaking at about 300 words a minute, but you've lowered yourself. So you're, you're around three, uh, 280 now. This is cool. We can hear you. <laughs> uh, I understand the stages that you went through and, and what it is when you're uh, shy and not wanting to be around people. It's because they did something to you. Yeah, it could be um, any little thing, but at, at that time it seems like such a trauma that, you know, it was a major thing and you wouldn't want to remember it. But in the memories that you're getting back and the ones that you're working to finally come, I'm hoping that there's going to be good memories in between the bad memories. That's going to be um, like an evening out kind of thing. Um we do all feel like kind of out of place sometimes, um, even with ourselves, because we are different from just people who haven't had abuses done to them. But there's so many of us out there, we live in our own world, they're very large. So there's going to be always somebody, you know, that's going to understand your story, and especially a nasty that with all that they offer, you can always get in touch with somebody calling, by calling the show, you, I mean, they have Zoom going on. I mean, this night tonight isn't the only time that you're going to be able to work, you know, to get more of your story out. There are people there, you can go to the webpage, nasca.org, um, they'll list their phone numbers, and um, you'll be able to get in contact. So this is just the first time. Um, I did want to say just two more things. Your dis- it's the dissociation defense. Mm-hmm. 
that's what it is. Um, uh, there's been time, If I didn't take myself out of my environment because it was so bad, I probably would have never survived past my teens because I, I, my, my mind was, like, really broken. I was, like, physically getting beat up every day, and all kinds of things were going on. So, I, yeah, we have to take our mind somewhere. I used to listen, like, to certain songs, and I would imagine my life, you know, that not that what I'm really in, but what I wanted to be in. You know, it's that, that's what dissociation um, is all about. And your chronic illness, your IBS, we're about the same age when we got that. Um, our bodies are affected so badly from the abuses, um, and they're coming out in you now in such a way that I'm, I'm really going to hurt when you find out what happened to you uh, to make you feel this way. I mean, even allergies, that goes with the immune system. Um, you'll come up with things, even like, like fibromyalgia, where it takes over your entire body except for bone, that your ligaments are ripped up, your skin is burning with the slightest temperature change. There's a whole list of immune and stomach issues that are directly a result of, of some kind of trauma. And as Carol says and Bill, there's never a measuring stick here. Trauma is trauma. So what did what happened to you and you don't remember, you can pretty well, you know, know it's not going to be good. Um, but I hear the meditation part and all that getting into place and whatnot and talking and stuff, it's going to help you along so that you'll you'll have a place to go and you're really going to get better. Even just from doing, like, um, this show, I mean, to come from Egypt to do this show is totally amazing. You're, you're definitely a winner. You want something and you're going for it, and I really think that you just stick with us and what you're doing and you're going to get there. Thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. And actually, I'll, uh, um, I, I wanted to also address the issue of not remembering because I have been trying to force the remembrance. I did many hypnosis, many inner journeys, and lots of the healers that I've been dealing with, they said, just relinquish the need to remember. It doesn't matter. Address the side effects, which I'm working on. So I've, um, if I do remember one day, what well I'm good. If I don't, I'm happy with where I am. I know terrible things happened, and it's okay. They happened, and they happened in the past. They still do affect me, of course. I'm not saying that uh, life has been fantastic. I mean, it is actually, I, I would say it is fantastic now compared to what it used to be. Uh, but I still get panic. I can get very stressed out, but much better than before. And uh, who knows what will happen with remembering if, at all, if, it, if it happens at all. You have a wonderful attitude, I have to tell you that. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. wonderful. What the heck is that? Oh, no one's at my door now. Good God. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> my, my house I was, is crazy. I, I either have people yeah. at my door or, or they're calling me on the phone. And, uh, oh. popular. Yeah. What do you do during the day, like, for work and whatnot? Okay. So I currently am uh, a consultant in legal reform. So I, I don't feel like a regular job. Message. Oh. Okay. 
All right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. In, she works hard, too. She's a legal consultant. This is amazing. Let me, let me say something here. I, I just heard a little a part of what you're saying. Oh, she used to be a what? I used to be a lawyer back in the day. Uh, you believe that? Bought, wow. Yeah. And then wow. I worked for the World Bank for a few years, and now I consult on legal reform. Uh, I can. I sit as a mediator. I train people on mediation. Uh, I am a facilitator for restorative justice. And what actually is bringing me here in today is I launched an, uh, a Facebook platform on Facebook addressing it's an, adv- it's an advocacy platform on the impact of child sexual abuse on adult women. So um, there isn't that many resources in Arabic for women who want to understand the impact of what happened to them as children. There are loads of resources on, in other, on other mental health topics, but I didn't find as many there. And I, I mean, to cut a long story short, because the how I started it was also a story on its own, but I established that platform to simplify the information in very simple, accessible language uh, through uh, videos. And um, I translate lots of excerpts from different books or inspirational quotes. And currently, we're launching an artistic uh, production, which is uh, sort of like a two-pronged uh, production. Part of it is like uh, I'm handling it with the artistic team, having a sort of like quote-unquote standalone production, but to which I would like to add contributions from survivors, like anonymous contributions preferably, but if people want to mention their name, then well and good, of course. But I, I feel it's a nice opportunity to have people's voices heard in a non-threatening way and um, so I was actually basically I wanted to uh, spread the word about it. This is why I jumped on the opportunity when uh, a colleague, Dr. Pamela Pine, with whom uh, I was actually leading a a very nice uh, book on thriving after child sexual abuse and I'm considering in that chapter, uh, sorry, in that book with a chapter. So she's sent us the opportunity to appear in the program, and I felt like, why not? Maybe I can attract some uh, listeners from the U.S. to contribute with us in the project music. Okay. Now, you said a whole bunch there, all right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for that, Lori. Lori, you're, I'm always glad when Lori's on. She has such a good brain. She does. You don't know it, but you, you're just so smart. Now, and I love it when she's on. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you, you always say, I'm not smart. Yes, you are. You're very no, smart. I, I just, the brain damage. You're very astute. I and don't take it. in stuff. <laughs> I have well, memory. You you're very you're you're very intuitive. You're you, you're asking very good questions. I'm so happy you're on because I had someone at my door. I'm trying to run a show. Someone was trying to get through to me while I was on the phone. I mean, help, you know. So, but yeah. anyway, the, the yeah. So, um, but anyway, she said an awful lot here. Now you know. I I was listening to part of what you were saying and and trying to take care of the door at the same time. But it says here, too, that while you were at work, you were like a target for someone to scream at you. And even some of your friends were screaming at you, you know, like you're an easy target for that. Many times we become like that, and it's, again, from low self-esteem. We don't think enough of our own, you know, intelligence or or whatever. And... um, so then we become a target for other people, yes, to like bully us, if you will. 
uh, and, did, and you're having that at work or you've had had it at work where people are yelling at you, how did you handle that? That's for me, the question, or Lori? Oh, for you. No, no it's oh, for, for you. How did you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I would not say that people would yell at me. I would. Uh, it, there was sort of like abuse going on in terms of being taken for granted. That's something where, I, because it stems from the idea of being a people pleaser. So if I could uh, stay 48 hours awake to finish a job, then why not? Uh, if I could be at the service of uh, some friends who aren't friends anymore, like on their beck and call anytime, so why not? So I was there to please the entire world. And I have to say I don't want to blame people for it because I took uh, value in it. I mean, that was uh, the closest you can get to a value because if we don't feel that we're inherently good and there's something wrong with us, we need to get some form of approval. So that was my form of approval, that people were happy with me, that I was needed in a way. So this uh-huh. need to be needed resulted, of course, in abusive situations. Okay, that's and, why you're a workaholic, okay? Yeah, because exactly. Yes, exactly. yes. Yeah. And because you're a workaholic, uh, now look, there's all kinds of things that that we can become, you know, that can we become people who are like people pleasers, like you said, and alcoholics or drug addicts or, you know, all different kinds of self-harm. There's all types of things, suicidal, you know, that we become and can become, you know, those of us who have been abused, all right? It's a terrible yeah. place to be, and it's a terrible state of mind um, to to wake up every day and, and, and maybe not have good feelings about yourself when you're going through this. There's all different levels of healing, Okay, you get on your healing journey, and we all feel you're on your healing journey, absolutely. Okay, because like Lori said, you made it to the show, and that's wonderful. And uh, and, and Bill mentioned that uh, I couldn't hear the time you said because my phone wasn't working quite right. But what time is it by you now? Now 3.30 a.m. Okay, okay. So you see, um, you know, I mean, you put yourself out there. And what you don't realize is that you very much belong here. The things that are even written in your bio uh, shows that. And being a, a people pleaser and then also a workaholic. So people were taking advantage of you. Um, maybe they had some jobs they didn't want to do. Um, you know, So they'd push it off on you because, after all, you can handle it. Okay? You know what I'm saying? And, um, yes. So a lot of times, and then you know what happens when you become aware of the fact that, hey, I'm being used here at work because I went through this at one place that I worked at. I can identify, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I could do all the work and all that, but I was being used. And, And we tend to, you know, put ourselves in that position by the way that we are acting. Then people think, well, I'll just give it to Carol or I'll just give it to Fatima or, you know, or whomever. And, and um, you know, let them handle it. Let them do it. They don't mind anyway. And if they do, so what? They'll get it done. <laughs> okay? So then we start to get yes. angry inside. Yeah. I got angry. Yes. And for me also, I would get angry, but I wouldn't understand why I'm angry because my mind wouldn't classify it as abuse. That's the thing also. That's the, there was, mm-hmm. for me, and in, I was incapable of seeing abuse if it screamed at me. So, like, my good friends would tell me, but that's wrong. This is abusive. I wouldn't see it this way. I would see this is my job. This is the, a friend in need. This is whatever. There was always an excuse of do, for doing 
I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I mean, excuse may sound negative. I wouldn't say it as like I was escaping through it, but I couldn't really see it. But I would feel something wasn't right. But uh, there was this discordance between what I felt and between what I thought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's here. And I, I would not be able to see the abuse if it screamed at me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. See, that makes it harder. I think that makes it harder. Um, well, I wrote a book, and you're an author also. We'll get into that in a little while. But, you know, like um, when I wrote my book, it only took me 28 days to write 314 pages. I never wow. wrote a book before. <laughs> I had no idea how to write a book. Are you kidding me? <laughs> And I didn't know any authors or anything. So um, I thought, well, how am I going to handle this? So I went back to English class in my brain. And um, I don't know how you have it over there, but in English class here, the teacher would write a, a sentence on the, you know, on the board, okay? And, and then we would have to make um, either words from it or we would have to decipher that that whole sentence and, you know, pronouns, all this other stuff. Oh, it was a pain in the neck. I hated it, but I did it because I had to, all right? And then you'd have topics under that, A, B, C, D. Well, I'm thinking to myself, now, wait a minute. If I'm going to write a book, I know what I'm writing about. I'm writing about child abuse. This is my memoir. So what do I want to say? And then I'd go, A, that would be the first chapter. B would be the second chapter, and on and on it went, okay? So I sort of like taught myself as I went along to write the book. And it only took me 28 days to do it. And I well, I stay up all night anyway. That's why I'm the night owl right, on, on this show. You know, I get really strange you know, phone calls at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. I think, wow, they're even stranger than me, all right, whatever. And we sit and we talk. You know, and I always make sure that I get people to laugh if I can, if I'm able to. If they're too depressed or something, you can't do that. Because many times we become very depressed people. Okay, I don't know if you ever went through the depression. Um, of course. I don't know. Of course. I, no, of course yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think and that's terrible. Like yeah, I think it's horrible. Because, you know, I, I think you're depressed except otherwise. Well, we know there's something wrong with us, okay, and it's not our yeah, fault. Exactly, exactly, you know, that's exactly. what people have to understand. It's not our fault. We were just kids, for God's sake, all right? Not that kids can't make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to the abuses, uh-uh. Well, we didn't ask it's for the, the abuse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's we didn't ask problem. for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you feel overpowered, when you feel so many other different things, it's the nature of whatever happens in the childhood that's different. To, uh, mm-hmm. other periods I mean, of, of your lifetime. Of course, I mean, it, it, it leaves a, a mark which can be healed, but it does leave a mark until you decide to sort of like, okay, life can be different. Well, you see, it affects us all different ways. Now, I became an angry yeah. child. I was very angry. And if someone got in my way at school, I'd just punch, punch him in the nose. <laughs> that was it. I did bang, <laughs> take that, you know. And I didn't care if I went to detention. What do I care? I came from a background that was nothing but violence anyway. So that's all I knew was violence. So if I punched someone in the nose because they said something nasty to me or whatever, I figured they deserved it, and I'd go to detention, keep my mouth shut, sit there, read a book, get up and go home. (laughs) You know, it didn't teach me anything. So, you know, we go through all different, you know, phases in our lives. 
Now, I was always very much in contact with every single one of the abuses that happened to me, which was many. And uh, it was in all the categories that I read, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the sexual, the neglect, everything. And and many of us on, on NASCA have gone through that. Some do, some don't. It doesn't matter. Like Bill said, trauma is trauma. Okay? So when we yes. go through these traumatic experiences, then we have the uh, the fibromyalgia, which I, I did hear that, you know, Lori was speaking about. A lot of us have it. I supposedly have it. I don't know. I haven't had a case of that, knock on wood, in three years. And that's a good yeah, long time. Yeah, fibromyalgia... Uh, sorry, yeah, I, I just like to add something here because I also was diagnosed with it. I mean, like my physiotherapist, when he couldn't diagnose anything, he said, okay, you have fibromyalgia. But I sort of like it feels like when you, it's like the allergy. When no one knows what's happening, it's an allergy. When no one knows why you're in constant pain, you have this. You know, it's, I mean, this is how I see it. At least, not that I'm denying that it exists, but it's sort of like the catch-all disease for what you cannot diagnose. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I've heard of a lot of people who have allergies, um, you know, who went through all different kinds of abuse. That seems to be another, um, I don't have, well, I might have a couple allergies. I'm I'm supposedly allergic to my cat, but my cat stays. She rules, okay? She's my baby. (laughs) You know, I saved her life. I'm not going to throw her out, okay? So, yeah, kids were stoning her. Now, what kind of house do you think they came from? They were stoning a cat. Yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't stand that. She's my baby, and she's beautiful on top of it all. So anyway, but even if she was funny looking, I would have saved her. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to let someone, you know, stone a, a cat but or a dog or anything. I mean, sometimes throughout the, the healing process, then we become very in tune, okay, with other people who have abusive natures about them. And if we see them, you know, slapping a kid, I don't just stand there. Not that I want to go and get slapped, too. Don't get me wrong. But I'll go get help. I'll make a phone call. Or uh, I'll, if it's in the neighborhood, I'll, I'll go over to somebody's house and say, hey, look at that. Then there's two of us looking at it, right? Not just me. There's two of us. And uh, yeah. we'll make a phone call and, and whatever, whatever it takes. But the point is that, uh, you know, we, we're in tune. We have little antennas that go up. We, as the healing process continues my my guess for you too if you haven't already started you know getting getting into that when you get further along your healing journey oh yes honey you're going to be able to tell when there's somebody abusive around you and and you'll you'll be watching this is what happens and i'm very thankful for that no it is actually happening with me thankfully i mean because even before i started discovering the memories i've been working on myself so identifying abusive situations I mean, I started to identify them long before I recovered my own personal memory. So I would say my, my journey has started independently of the memory, but it was, it was blocked because something didn't compute in a way. Something wasn't added up. Why, why was I still that angry and resentful until things started making sense? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, that's like with the relationships. I see you have problems with your relationships, okay, or you, or you never wanted to be in a relationship. Um, many of us go through that. I still have problems picking the right guy. I get scared. I figure I'm just going to stay in the house. 
Then I won't have to worry about it, will I? <laughs> but, you <No>. see, <laughs> but, yeah, but that's not really, you know, solving the problem because, look, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get lonely. Okay, I will. I'll get lonely, and then I'll go out. And if I run into someone that I know, fine. If I um, meet someone new, that's fine. Doesn't mean I have to bring them at my house, though, okay, because I don't trust anybody. I still have trust issues. If I let someone get close to me, I mean really close to me, I think the world of that person, and yes, I trust them. But that's so few and far in between. You know what I'm saying? Because There's I... There is that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go through so much, and then all of a sudden your, your mind is going to release more, okay, as time goes by. And I'm glad you have a therapist because, you see, um, you're over in Egypt. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm glad you have a therapist. And, you know, I hope that you can call that therapist, you know, at any time, at least leave a message for God's sake. See, one thing good about NASCA is you can call Night Owl. That's me. And and there's a couple others that are like Night Owl people too as well. And uh, we can talk, you know, in the AM for me and uh, probably in the PM for you or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, the point is this. You're able to reach someone. I had someone say just a couple of weeks, I know Bill is listening, um, and I'll tell you this because, it's you know, it's something that happened. I like this when things like this happen. But they're so thankful for NASCA because they can call 24 hours a day, and they're not just going to get a machine, okay? Yeah, that's an, that's an amazing service. Uh, yeah. Sorry? Yeah, leave a message, in other words, you know. Um, you have someone to talk to. And then one other thing that we have on our show, too, that I'm really proud of is uh, that we have programs that we can, you know, send people to. Sometimes in the AM I'll get someone who has total recall of what happened to them, just like I do, like many do, and then there's those that don't. And, and you know, they they do dissociate and everything like what Lori was talking about and, and uh, all this other stuff. And um, they decide that they want to be all of a sudden with people. They want to go to a place where they can mingle with people who have gotten into, you know, the same type of situations that we have, that were abused like we were. So we do have that on on NASCAR. And if you, you should open up, if you can, you know, open up the website sometime, and you'll see red blocks. And I tell this for other people who are listening, because we always have people listening. So I like to try to give them this information also. You, you know, get on the NASCA website, N-A-A-S-C-A.org, org. okay? And scroll down a little bit, N-A-A-S-C-A.org, org. okay? Yeah, I'd like to say something. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, okay, so I'll just explain this quickly, and then we'll get back mm-hmm. to what you were saying. So... But anyway, this is good for you too. It's good for anyone to to look at you know to look at this um, because we do have programs all over the world. I don't think we have one in Egypt. Maybe you could start one. <laughs> I don't know. But you know the point is this. Um, you know you don't realize that there could be a program a mile down the road from you, two miles down the road. All you do is just click onto that very first one, the left hand side programs. It opens up, and you see the world spinning around. 
you know you're in the right place because we are worldwide. We have people calling from Egypt, Israel, down under, wherever. Um, you know, and you go to everything's alphabetical. I'm from, you know, New Jersey right now. And um, so I go to New Jersey in the United States. And I just find where a, a place close to me, a county close to me, and that's it. You've got a program to go to, telephone number, little description of the program, and there you go. So you see, we're a lot better today than we were when we were growing up. So I'm getting across to you, okay? We have more things to offer people. And with what you're saying and what you have been saying, you have felt at times that you were so alone because you do feel alone and you feel jumpy and you feel like there's something wrong, but you, maybe in your case you can't quite put your finger on it. Is there one situation that you can think of that's abusive? Oh, one situation? You're talking about this. Oh yeah, there are. Uh, of course, there would be. But I. But uh, let me go back one second about Egypt and what's available out there because I understand it would be not available because of the language issues and the translation. But there are so many therapies available. Mm-hmm. Maybe not to the same extent that is in the U.S., but there are actually quite a lot. Uh, mainstream and alternative. So I mean, mm-hmm. I did in Egypt like uh, uh, family constellations, uh, shamanic soul retrieval. Uh, inner dance journeys, in addition to all the mainstream stuff. So it's, there is actually, it is possible to have a lot of, um, a lot of different types of healings in Egypt, but I guess with the language barrier, it is not, uh, doesn't translate into Google when you, when you look at the country. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, relation, yeah, in relation to abusive situations, I would say the most recent and most marking one was a self-proclaimed healer. So someone who was, I mean, I was very naive at the time, and also I had this dichotomy of, is my intuition right or is my mind correct? Who should I believe? And of course, I would never believe my intuition or gut feeling. That was impossible. I was in my mid-20s back then, and there was this woman who at first, I mean, she was a typical narcissistic uh, type of a healer. Uh-huh. Who would like talk about how good you are, how big your heart is, how open you, blah, 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 the whole uh, enchilada of uh, attraction. And she helped me, actually. She's the one, ironically enough, who helped me identify abuse. But it was, uh-huh. but there was also a, a lot of gaslighting involved in this. So it's sort of like, let's remove all the abusers from your life because I want to abuse you exclusively. Uh-huh. And that was, I mean, I... I I wanted to, I ultimately ended this uh, uh, therapeutic relationship after quite some time uh, because her theory was I needed to kill the ego and the ego was doing this, the ego was doing that, and I felt like killing the ego was the solution, like let's kill it, of course, but her way of killing the ego was basically killing yourself. Uh, yeah, it, was, it was terrible, not like not killing yourself literally, but killing yourself on all levels. Uh, so that she can control you more and more. So that was actually terribly abusive. And if I had little trust in people, that very scant trust was gone after that. I mean, it took me years to rebuild it later on. So uh, that was the most, one, I mean, in recent times, that was one terrible situation I would, uh, I would identify well, with. You. Okay, so that's, that, that creates lack of trust too, okay, what, what you're saying there. 
yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's, uh, but that's valid. Don't get me wrong. So, but, and so many times, you know, those of us who don't trust people, it's because of things that did happen to us. And, and why would we then trust people? I mean, you know, we're only human. We're going to have certain feelings, you know. So Absolutely. I get it. I get it. So let, let me uh, go down here a little bit. Uh, maybe, Philip, do you want to say something? Want to say hello or you want to ask a question? Well, maybe just hello for now. That's okay. That's okay. All right. He likes to listen. That's good. Hey, I, I'm just happy that people are listening. This is a good thing because they're learning when they listen. Okay? A lot of times they learn things. They learn things about themselves, too. And, Bill, do you want to say something or ask a question? I think he's working in the background. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can't hear me. All right. So, um, all right. So that that's I, – I get it. You know, there's a lot of things that um, make people not trust another person. And when we go through all the abuse, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, psychological, same thing with the, the mental, um, you know, or just simply, you know, being neglected, for God's sake, not proper clothing, not proper food. And it's not because, say, a person's very poor. It's just that they're, they're forgetting they have kids. Maybe they're in the drugs and they just, you know, ignore their children. I've seen a lot of that. Or they're alcoholics, um, you know, and, and they, the kids just get, you know, slapped around, pushed around. They don't get fed properly, whatever the case might be, you know. That does a toll on a kid, too, believe me, okay. So, you know, the things that we go through um, with the sexual, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the neglect, uh, all these things, uh, they take a toll on us. And, yes, it does affect us physically with our health, okay? I should be dead. <laughs> now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> three times, I almost got killed three times. That's I'm not going to talk about that on this show. But, um, yeah. Uh, in fact, I, I was involved with this uh, book company the first time. I, I had two book companies. And uh, I had to make a trailer. I had to give them $1,400 to make a trailer. And uh, their legal department said, this book is too volatile. We don't want to deal with it. But you know what? Mm-hmm. My book made it all the way over to Japan. Yes, it did. Wow. <laughs> so I guess, you know, it got out there, honey. All right, it may be volatile, but it got out there. Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. So that that's enough for me. I don't need anything else. Just the fact that so many people are reading it, even still to this day. So um, that makes me happy. That that's all I need. So you know, when we first started the show, all right, I've been on the show twelve years. That's a long time, and um, been vice president, I guess, for ten years, something like that, and um, I've seen a lot of changes because now people. I'm going to tell you this. When I put my book out there and it got to Author House, Author House picked it up. Um, there was only one other book on Amazon. Only one other book like mine. A memoir like mine. Wow. Today, you go on Amazon and you type in, you know, you want to see memoirs on child abuse. It is filled with books. Now, you see, yeah. to me, that's yeah. growth. 
Another people are <laughs> thinking. They're thinking. And now what we need for them is to do something. When you see something, you say something. I'm talking to other people, too. While we, I don't mean make-believe ones. <laughs> I mean the ones that are listening. If you see something, say something. Make a phone call. Call 1-800-FOR-A-CHILD if you don't want to do this locally, all right? People are afraid of retaliation, all right? They're to keep their mouth shut. That's one reason. So call the 1-800-FOR-A-CHILD number, and they'll guide you. They'll tell you what to do, and they may even make phone calls for you if you tell them you're afraid of retaliation in your neighborhood, all right? So um, we've had uh, Child Help on. That's a part of Child Help. Uh, That's a hotline, the 1-800-FOR-A-CHILD. And um, we've had them on three or four times because they're a wonderful organization, and we've had them on, and I will continue to have them on. So anyway, anyone out there, if you know of a child who's being uh, hurt and you don't want to call the police um, or you don't want to call CPS, this is what I dealt with in, in uh, Staten Island when I was being abused in one of the places, <laughs> um, you don't want to call them, uh, then they call the 1-800-4-CHILD number. It doesn't matter where you're from because they help you. They're good people. Okay, and they'll, they'll help the child. That's the important part. So anyway, and you can stay, uh, you don't have to give your name. You can stay anonymous, all right? I want to make that clear. So anyway, um, let's get on with your story here. Uh, It says here, just keep an open mind. Many CSA survivors have little trust in anyone which can cloud our judgment when we first embark in healing. That's so, so true. It's important not to isolate as well. Very, very true. I... I'm an extrovert today, as you can tell. <laughs> At one time, I was an introvert, and, um, you know, I I just went into hiding. I didn't want to leave the house. I suffered horribly from panic attacks. Did you ever have a panic attack or anything? Uh, yes, I did. I mean, a few years ago, I didn't even understand what was happening. Until the friend told me that's called a panic attack. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, mine, and you know you don't know what it is. You just think maybe you're dying or something, okay? Exactly. Mine started at the, yeah, because your heart pounds so badly. You flush, I know I did. And I, I started to sweat, and, and I shook, all kinds of stuff that you could see visibly. We're not stupid people. We know that if we're shaking, we know if we're sweating, okay, that people are going to see that, and then they're going to look at you more, aren't they? Okay, and I didn't like that in those days. I didn't want to be looked at. I wanted people to leave me the heck alone, all right? But they started at the age of nine, and I had them until 49. That's weird, I know. But they started at nine, and they ended at 49. And I, you know what? I got so mad at my panic attacks. It was happening in a store. For some reason, it happened mostly in stores and wide-open places. Um, I'm not going to tell you what I said in my brain, but it was very nasty. <laughs> all the <laughs> curse words you've ever been taught, okay, I said, all right, and more. And I was so mad. I was so angry. You know what? They went away. Yes, they did. I had maybe one tiny one after that, 
and I knew what to do. And then an even smaller one after that, and finally <laughs> they went away. No meds, no psychiatric evaluations. I've already been psychiatric evaluated. They told me I was brilliant, wonderful, not get rid of my panic attacks. Oh, we can't do that. Thank you. Goodbye. So I did it myself. I actually got over my own panic. Yeah, that's, that's big. That's big, actually. Yeah. It works. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope it works for other people. All I know is it works for me, all right? So, you yeah. know, I, it, so so yeah. often. What's that noise? You have funny noise comes from. sounds like someone's snorting something. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Okay. So, um, you know, so often we, we uh, go into all different types of, of problems, you know, with the, with the panic attacks. I had them for 40 years, for God's sake. And then um, I turned to alcohol. I couldn't stand the panic attacks. I was young. I was stupid. I didn't know what to do with them. Nobody else knew what to do with them. No one knew how to help me. And I was a kid. I was a teenager finally, and I wanted to get out there. I wanted to, you know, be with the kids. And so I I just got in with kids who were drinking and and drugging. I didn't do the heroin. I was scared to death of it, thank God. And I don't think those kids would have let me. They're older, and I became like their little sister out on the street. And um, so... You know, I went through all these things, and where did it all come from? That's why we have this show. Okay? Yes. Once in a while, once in a great while, we'll get someone on who claims they didn't get into alcohol and drugs, you know, of any kind. Um, They didn't self-harm in any way. Um, They didn't have... temper tantrums like I wanted to shoot everybody or punch them in the nose at the very least. I wanted to do something wild, okay, because I'd have so much anger or so filled with anger. Um, they didn't have any of that. Um, I'm thinking to myself, well, what the heck do they have? Okay, what do they have? You have things. But they claimed that they didn't. They, well, they were a goody-goody, okay? They were too perfect. Actually, I'll tell you there something. You go. I can't tell you. Yeah. Of course. So I didn't do drugs. I didn't do alcohol. Uh-huh. Um, I would I would go sometimes into temper into tantrums, but not not a lot. But I do I uh-huh. would. But the thing is, it eats you from the inside. I mean, people, yeah, people can appear the goody goody type, but it's sort of like this is where you're eating out from the inside. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh-huh. also, what helped me, and this is why I didn't have as I mean, I I had very few panic attacks because my disassociation was mainly cutting out my emotions. So I was not. So when you're not in touch with your emotions, you become more sick. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's difficult, of course, to sort of like measure. It's impossible to measure, but you you become more sick. Uh, you become different in your very own way. It doesn't. It's your cooking is just different. I mean, the, the maybe the drug, the drug, the alcohol is more obvious as a coping mechanism, and it also depends on the type of thing. Depends on many different factors. It's difficult to compare. But I. Um, but I haven't chosen to go in that particular road. But I went into um, being emotionally abusive towards myself. It's sort of like I've become the worst critic of myself. That's my way of, even my, most of my symptoms would be against myself most of the time. Uh, uh-huh. Now I am more open with my anger. I try not to let it out as much. But, uh, and I have to be careful with daily swimming, doing a bit of yoga or martial arts or whatever to sort of like keep myself 
to, to release my energy because I also have a very active energy. This is why I speak quickly. My mind is super active, regardless of yeah. trauma or not. Yeah. It, it is my nature as well. That's something that I, I finally accepted because some people, I'll tell you, it's so unnatural to speak that quickly. Speak to uh, Mediterranean. I mean, Egypt is a Mediterranean country. Like, speak to Greeks, uh, Spaniards, or whomever. We all speak that quickly in a way. And that's a, a type of personality. Let me put it that way in terms of, like, the speed. Uh, I am a quick thinker as well, so that's also something that I do have, which I have with was criticized for. Uh, people love criticizing you for anything, anyways. <laughs> that's something I've, I've, I've noticed growing up. Um, but you got into sports. Whoa, 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 whoa! Slow down. You said you got into sports. Yeah. Is that what you said? Uh, I did go into sports as a child, but uh, not for long times. I did different types of sports, but I say currently keep myself mm-hmm. balanced. I have to swim, mm-hmm. and I have to do either yoga or martial arts to keep myself balanced. That's very important. Well, you see that what you're saying is a mouthful right there again, because you see people like us, all right, we we need we're so pent up with all this energy that you're talking about, and your mind is racing. Okay, it's like hypervigilance. That's what that is. Your mind is racing and racing, and like if someone came near me and went to touch me or something, I'd jump. You know, I'm like, ah, go away, man. You know, I don't know what you're going to do, you know. And um, even if it was a family member or whatever, it didn't matter. The point was hypervigilance, our mind races and all this other stuff. And uh, that's our mind overworking, overworking, overworking. And um, But I had to find some way, um, if I wasn't actually going to do terrible damage to someone, right, I had people in my family, in my house, I wanted to do that too. Because they were so abusive, sexually, physically, mentally, emotionally, neglect, all the things that we speak about here. It was right in my own house. And then it was outside of my house too. Cool. Later on, I, I was married twice. And I didn't do very well, the first time especially. Oh, my God. I finally put one foot in front of the other, and I said, that's enough. I walked away with my two children, our two children, and that was it. I was able to do it. So, you know, but we take abuse sometimes so long, for so long. And when I was in high school, I had to do something with all this terrible pent-up energy that you speak about. And um, I became involved in sports. That's why I said that. I was a runner. I was a jumper. I jumped the hurdles. I, I did everything. I played. They put me on the boys' baseball team, for God's sake, because I was too good for the girls' softball team. I only lasted two weeks, honey. They were throwing that ball at me. <laughs> they didn't want me on their team. I didn't want to be on their team either, all right? Not a good place to be. So, um, But I had to find something, okay, to to get rid of all this terrible pent-up anguish and um, hyperactivity um, and all the things that you speak about with your mind, all that terrible racing, to focus, to find a focal point. Some people might say ADHD. Maybe I had it and didn't even know it. And it can go into adulthood. I don't know. I was never, I was never looked at as that. I was never tested or done whatever they do for that. So I can't answer that. But um, it all stems from us being in an abusive environment, okay? Tell me about your your mother and father. Did you have relationships with them? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, my father was a medical doctor. My mom was a journalist. 
and uh, I'd say we were a regular household in relation to there was nothing out of the ordinary happening. And I mind you, most of and I uh, from the tidbits I remember from what happened with me, that was mostly related to outsiders that were close to the family, but not the family itself. So that's uh, I mean I'm not saying that my parents like were the perfect angels. That's impossible. I mean, that's that's putting them to an impossible standard. They had their uh, ups, they had their downs, but I was, you know, if I, I was sheltered in a way. I mean, I went to good schools. Uh, we always had something to eat, um, but I wasn't feeling comfortable inside myself. So I also tended to overplease my parents. I mean, if I were compared myself to my siblings. Uh, they didn't have that tendency to overplease them or bend uh, backwards to uh, be helpful to everyone around. So my rapport was not right. Uh, and I was also the eldest child. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I still am the eldest. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So my rapport to them wasn't healthy because I was uh, seeking to please all the time at my own personal expense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not, I mean, so, yeah. So, it, but something brought forth this type of thinking with yourself, okay? And you like, I have someone that calls me. Oh, she can call me at three, four, five o'clock in the morning. I never know what time it's going to be. And she always uh, describes it as um, putting a piece of the puzzle together. You know, she'll have like a thought that will go through her head. And, oh my God, that's what happened. Now I get it. And then she'll call me. <laughs> and what she's doing is like she says that her life is like a, a puzzle. And she, she's trying to put the pieces together. And then once she gets all those pieces together, because, you see, she has, you know, um, uh, dissociation. It, where I worked, they used to call it the repressed memories. But today they call it dissociation. It's the same thing. So, you know, it's they would do that. You know, people many people do that. Rather than to have that full knowledge come out as to what their abuse, what they would you know, were abused by or by whom or or how. The the mind is like a protective, okay, thing. It doesn't want you to see it all at once. So it comes out in dribs and drabs and pieces and then all of a sudden you have a piece to the puzzle, and I get a phone call. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you see, so you see, um, the mind is a wonderful thing. It can be because it does try to protect us in in ways that it can. And then there's areas of our brain too that does get damaged. It can get damaged, and then other cells they rush in to try and and work on that damaged area. But there's always going to be a slight change in that person's personality, or what they can handle, what they can't handle, and and or maybe it will be an, intel, an intelligence level type of thing or whatever. It, it, you know that part of the brain might be damaged, and um, so. You know, this is how we as survivors, and that's what we are, we're still walking, we're still talking. Some of us write books, some of us are artists, some of us are singers. I like to sing too. And I wrote my book, and I'm I'm comfortable with that. The only other book I might write would be on witches and stuff, because I I think I know about that side. But, you know, the point is this, um, you know, I've done what I've wanted to do. And I used to sing professionally in New York. I, that that was fun. I have some good memories. Do you have good memories? I do. I do. I do have good memories. So it's good. my 
yeah, my love of reading it, when it came from my parents, for example, it's like uh, we, they never spared any expense when it came to books, especially. I mean, maybe for other things, but books, that, that was always welcome. Uh, going to book fairs, buying books, reading. Um, and each of my parents had something that I would connect with, I mean, like either my father or my mother. So my mom would be interested in astrology, spirituality, uh, metaphysics. So we, we'd, have, we'd have that in common. My dad would speak more science, I'd say uh, fun stuff. So there was also that. I mean, it's never black. I mean, it's, uh, it's not that bleak. If it were that bleak, I would have died, I guess. Uh-huh. And it was most of the things were happening inside because, as you were saying earlier, I think whatever happened with me happened in super early years, maybe two, three years old. And this is what was also coming through when I was doing somatic um, healing. Some memories, they mean, cannot be verbalized because they happened when your brain wasn't able to verbalize anything. But they, ha- they leave the imprint and then they dictate how you act how you react, how you interact in life afterwards without knowing why you're doing what you're doing until you sort of like stop, take stock and try to change the script. Well, you know, I, I was doing some um, research on Egypt, okay, because um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't I don't know too much about Egypt, <laughs> all right? So, in fact, yeah, I didn't know anything about Egypt. So I said, well, let me look it up, let me look it up. And I know that there's like you know like the, you know like uh, people can be very good. They can be very good in Egypt if you go you know to the country. They can be very friendly. They can have you in for dinner, and and everything is nice. And uh, you know, and if you take seconds, they're oh, they're so happy that you're taking seconds. That's a big plus. And um, you know, they can be so jolly and all this other stuff. And there's different classes. Of course, there's classes of, of I don't care what the culture is, what country it's from, or whatever. But then you have those people that um, want to marry children off, okay, at a very early age, okay, over in Egypt. And I was reading about that. Now, you, thank God you didn't go through any of that. Um, no, I and the government is taking very strict uh, measures against that. No, but I haven't. It doesn't happen in the social class where I come from, thank God. So, I mean, there is that to be very thankful for. But also, I have to mm-hmm. say that in recent years, the, the government has been taking uh, very, like, harsh measures against, um, against. I mean, I would not say harsh measures because I don't remember exactly what are the sentences now, but at least significant measures against uh, child marriage. It's a problem. Of course it is. And the, the, yes. the, the statistics, yeah, is being very proactive about it. And I have to say, in recent years, I'm not, we still have the epidemic, as any other country does, of child sexual abuse, but now... There is this uh-huh. beautiful thing of people can point it out, and it's uh, more spoken of with the children. So the children are much more aware now, uh, uh-huh. not, not on an entire state level, but I mean, you, you need to start somewhere, and there is a start, and I'm very happy with the start. Well, you know, like like I had read, and this is a good thing, and I, I wish our country was more like that because it said rape rape in Egypt is a criminal offense with penalties ranging from automatic 15 to 25 year sentences and lifetime if including abduction. And but it does say on the downside it says marital rape is is legal. <laughs> okay, so. But getting back to the top part here, where it says in rape in, in Egypt is a criminal offense 
with penalties ranging from 15 to 25 years. I've been raped so many times in my life, I won't say it on air now. But when I was in New York, because I, I, I was born in New York, and, and we went back and forth from New Jersey to New York, okay? And we met, went back to um, Staten Island. And um, I was one of 14 girls that was being kidnapped and raped by this monster, because that's what they are to me, they're monsters, all right? And um, he got, yeah, he got caught. He got a three-year sentence. And then because his wife, who had two two or three children by him, um, was saying that, you know, it's causing so much hardship at home because he's not out working, he got out in a year, a year and a half, a year or two, a year and a half, forget which it was. That's it. After ruining 14, I mean, I've already been there, but after ruining 14 children's lives, because it does do a, a job on us, doesn't it? Okay. It does. Yes. Yes. So that's all he got. So when I saw you automatically get 15 to 25 years, I was really happy to see that. And um, it says Egypt remains one of the most common countries for this is the, the forced marriages I'm speaking about, as well as child marriage along with Saudi Arabia and, and uh, Yemen. or Yemen. Um, okay, that's, that's bad, that part there. And it depends on which part of Egypt that you live in, okay? Now, it sounds like where you come from, you're in the more, you know, where your, your parents are, you know, like uh, they named it, what is this, you know, like a higher... Um, you know, like you're more high class. There's different classifications. That's the way it is in our country, too. But I'm just saying over there, it's over there, the same thing. So, but with the poor people in the poor areas, you have the rougher people that um, do all kinds of things with children. And uh, we even have one of our people from, what was it, ABC or NBC, whatever, who went over there as a journalist, and um, she got raped and all kinds of stuff and spent four days in the hospital over here. They sent her back home. She was lucky. But you see, every country has its good and its bad. Now, what you're exactly. talking about, yeah. yep, it doesn't matter where, what country it is, doesn't matter. Yeah. Now, yeah. and uh, so, but with you, you sound like a, a young lady who, um, you know, is, is trying to be like one of my callers in the AM, trying to put back the, 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 the pieces in the puzzle and trying to get more self-awareness of what actually happened to you. you. You say you have certain things that you do come in contact with your brain that you do remember, uh, certain circumstances, and uh, you can deal with that, and you do have a therapist, so that's very good. Now, tell us about the book. It says here also, too, that you're an author. And um, am I right in that, saying that? See, I live Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the book. Go ahead. Well, there are two yeah, sure. So there are two books. One is actually being published in the U.S. Uh-huh. It's, um, it's a Brave Healers production uh, publication. And uh-huh. the work is led by Dr. Pamela Pine. She's established the Stop the, Stop the Silence uh, Foundation. And she's inviting anyone who's listening to join the page on, on Facebook. I've come in, across her announcement for a call for contributions on LinkedIn. And mm-hmm. I became a chapter contributor. The book is about how to thrive after child sexual abuse. So it's a very straightforward book that each chapter contributor, and we're 23 contributors, uh, has to uh, say a sto- the story very in very short um, 
in a very concise way, not to focus uh-huh. so much on what happened, but sort of like uh-huh. give context so that people can relate and then give a practice for people. Like what, how, what can you advise someone who's going through this? Like sort of like, uh, uh, for example, in, in my chapter, I, I talked a bit about breathing, about changing your attention, things that you can implement at home, easy things. Uh-huh. So that's uh-huh. one book, and it's coming out in, uh, I think, March, uh, in a couple of months, and there's the other book that is, it's fiction, and uh, it's a collection of short, short stories and poetry, uh, not necessarily based in what happened to me, but I, I used to be an actress, a director, and a writer, so actually I have a, a very nice imagination, let me put it this way, so I can put myself in situations and start writing about them, so that's the other book, it's called The Letter to the Nine-Year-Old Girl, and other and uh, that would come up in uh, in a couple of uh, weeks, if, if not less, actually. That's in Arabic, the other one. Um, and it touches, among others, it touches on sexual abuse, it touches on divorce, it touches, even though I've never been in a relationship, but I can't imagine how it can happen and how what the woman feels about it. Infanticide, uh, pain, and also hope. So I, I usually like to not focus on what's not working. I like to focus on what's working as much as possible. It's not about denying it, because if you deny it, it comes and bites you in the back. You cannot deny it. You cannot bypass it. It is there. So I will always acknowledge it. But, I, but I, that's maybe how I function. But I like to focus on the possibilities, because they're endless. Well, that's good. That's wonderful. You see, uh, we've had people on before, and there's people all over the place you know, that do that. They'll write their memoirs and so forth, and then the second book might be you know, uh, not about themselves or even about anyone in particular, but it still is um, identifying all right, certain things about sexual abuse that people go through and, and all this other stuff, like you were just saying. The point is is to get that out, okay? Get it out. So society really learns how a person feels when they've been abused, whether it be sexual, physical, mental, emotional, whatever, or any neglect, um, how they feel about themselves. And and, um, it's up to us, you know, to get help. Otherwise, it defines who we are, okay? And we don't want that. We don't want that. Absolutely. So, yes. It's important for us to do this, you know, to um, to get the help that we need. I got pulled in off the street into a church, and they said, you're a mess. And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> I let them work with me because there was 200 people in that church group, and um, they came from all walks of life. So that was my first, you know, form of therapy that I had. Um, you know, these people really helped me tremendously. Well, I, I may not be alive today, okay, because I, I was, yeah. like, clinically depressed, all right? I really was. I was a mess. And then they could see it. So uh, they were very smart people because I tried to hide it, believe me. So um, <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's, yeah, I think it's amazing how we try to hide. I don't do it anymore. See, I'm at the point in my life where I don't care whether people like me or not. <laughs> I don't care. That's you know, That's hey, it's comfortable. That's comfortable, yes. okay? A book cool is that being comfortable in your own skin, by the way. And, and that's an AA thing, I do believe. Um, and being comfortable in your own skin, now that's where we all want to get to. Because once we're comfortable with ourselves and we realize that it was never our fault, 
what happened to us. And and we understand it and we believe it and we deal with it. Not that we're perfect people. We're not. Of course we've done things. I can think of some things I did. You know, and I'm not going to talk about it on air. (laughs) But, you know, like, yeah, you know, come on. Um, It affects us all different ways. And, uh, you know, so I took check of myself. I sat down, had a talk with myself, and I said, you know what? You're going to change. You have to change, too. And that's what I did. Okay. And, um, you know, I just simply had to be a better person, not for the sake of society. I'm not, not that I was out hurting people. Don't get me wrong. But for the sake of, for myself, to be a better person, to learn to love myself. Okay. Because so often we don't love ourselves. All we see are the things that are bad. And, and, you know, many of us, it goes around in our mind and around in our mind all day and night and day and night. We can, until you get a handle on it, okay? That's another AA word, a handle on it. Um, and, and you realize, you know, that, okay, good things do happen to good people, and then you have bad things that happen to good people. It does happen. And, you know, if you can do something about it, fine. If you can't, then not that you have to accept it. But we do know that it does happen in life. And we want to move on. We don't want to be those people that don't move on. We do want to be survivors. We do want to be activists. And that's what we are. And I'm very thankful you came on this show. And I'm thankful that you've written your books. So... What I'm going to do is I'm going to let, um, you know, it's getting to the end of the show now. It went quite quickly. And what, what I'm going to have people say goodnight to you really quick, but let me, let me ask you quickly, what, would you, what, what do you want to tell people about recovery and hope, hope, if you've been abused? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, recovery is hard. I, I mean, it's not... Um, it is hard. I mean, I'm trying to find a better word, but I, I can't. However, if it is not being taken as a race or a box to tick, it can be very enjoyable as well. It can be like putting the puzzle together. I'm not even talking about the puzzle of memories. It's the puzzle of emotions. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I triggered that way? How can I change it? What's happening there? If it can be turned into a, a treasure hunt exercise as one of the healers uh, uh, um, that have been blessed with told me it can change the dynamic. At the beginning, I was taking it as like a chore, something that I have to do, and there was a finish line. There isn't. I think until our last breath, we will keep into the, the recovery journey. But it can be a fun one, a nice one, even even though it is hard. But it doesn't have to be hard and miserable. At times, it would be miserable, super miserable, of course, at times. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. bad times pass. Nothing stays the same. And That's uh, right. I, yeah, I would say there is always, always, always a way out, and it's good to use resources. You, we, yeah, I mean, I stumbled on this super destructive uh, healer at once. I mean, but but I bounced back. It, I didn't mm-hmm. feel I was going to bounce back, and then many times I felt like ending my life would be only the be the only way possible to end my misery. But I'm still here, and I'm happier mm-hmm. by the day. Some days even. Even the days where I'm relatively okay can be very tough, like, but for an hour or two, not the entire day. There is a difference. Life keeps 
changing. Maybe we don't notice it as we go through the inner, the initial phases of healing, but it does change. And uh, I think life has so much to offer that we haven't been able to open up to because of our fear and our mistrust, which is okay because this is what kept us going on as well. So this mm-hmm. is what I would say, uh, yeah, about it. Well, I thank you for coming here and opening up. And I, I can promise you, as time goes by, you know, those those memories that you don't quite know, you don't, you're not quite in touch with, they will come out. And um, as they do, you know, get a hold of a therapist, someone that you like, all right, someone that you trust, and uh, work it out with them. Because someday you'll be, be like, I keep referring back to this gal, but you'll be like her, you'll have all the answers, you'll have that puzzle all put together, and then you'll have more understanding. But you have a lot of guts, and you have a lot of oomph, okay, and about you. I like you. Yes, I do. Because, yeah, and I, I know everybody else does, because, okay, you've been through something that's wild. I know it. I can tell, okay? I just don't know what, quite what it is. But let me tell you something. You're going to do just fine. Okay, everybody on, this, on the count of three, say good night. Okay, one, <laughs> two, three. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you so much for coming on. I love you guys. Take care and stay safe. Okay, we'll be back again on Monday. And thank you for coming on. You can come on Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, Monday, Tuesdays also, anytime you want to call in. Good night now. Good night. Love Talk Radio.